Good morning. I'm so glad to have you all here. Uh, it is, what is it? It's May the 2nd. Happy May. I may be a little biased, but it is the best of the months. <laughs> okay, couple of announcements for today. Um, Bible study, we finished our reading of the book of Ruth this last week. And if it's all right with those who are in Bible study, uh, we'll be jumping into 1 Corinthians this coming week um, as I'm preparing for something else also for Bible study, but we're going to be doing 1 Corinthians after Pentecost. So we'll be ready for that. This is the first Sunday of the month. So following the regular worship time after the benediction, we will have be, be having some music, the they're listed at the end of the bulletin. Um, so you are welcome to stay and sing with us. Um, honestly, I, all three that were picked this week, I, I like these three. They're all classics, at least to me. <laughs> um, so I'm excited for that. If you are uncomfortable with staying during the singing time, um, that's perfectly fine. And I'll be, I'll be out there saying goodbye as you're ready to head out. Uh, commission's meeting is, uh, is on May the 12th. That's coming up at 7 o'clock, followed by executive committee. A reminder that we have spaces open on the flower calendar in the back. If you would like to uh, have flowers up here in memory or in uh, honor of someone, fill it out back there and, and we'll make sure they get there. Softball begins on May the 16th, and the games are held at St. Nicholas Orthodox Church, uh, usually at 2 or 3 o'clock. Is that correct, Mike? 2 and 3.30 at the same time. 2 and 3.30. Uh, if you are interested in playing, please talk to Brother Mike. Let him know. Uh, I know I'll be out there, and my guess is they'll put me on the other team so you guys have a better chance. Are there any other announcements? As we move into this time of joys and concerns, I do have two that have been handed up to me. Renee, I am sorry. How do you say your mother's name again? Where is Renee? Oh, okay. Letha. Thank you. Letha sends a note. I want to thank you, I want to thank the caring members of the Church of the Brethren for your prayers for my recovery, and also a thank you for the people who sent me cards. Your efforts were full of sunshine and cheer for me. I am recovering quickly, and I was blessed that it was a minor TIA. God has been good to me. She is, uh, as I heard from Renee earlier, she is back in her garden where she loves to be. Uh, from Christine and Doug Klein, a celebration uh, for her, their son, Jacob. Jacob has broken the 21-year record for Shawnee State for hitting the most home runs in a season. Jacob has hit 20 total in just 11, and just hit 11 home runs in 12 games. Yesterday was the last game of the season. Uh, so I, 
I know he's getting ready to find some summer ball to get ready for the next season and do even better. Are there any other things you wish to share with the community today? Yes, Bernina. Wonderful. Of course. Sister Benita's brother Brian is back home as of Monday, which was a, his birthday present as well. His 80th birthday. Um, but he is back home and doing well. The prayers have been greatly appreciated and prayers are greatly appreciated going forward as he continues his rehab. Thank you for all the prayers for our sister Carrie's mother, Sandy, who is in the hospital still. They, they're running tests, trying to figure out what exactly is going on. Um, so thank you for all your prayers, and please continue to hold their family in your prayers as, as they figure this out. And hopefully she'll be home soon. From my own family, we ask for continued prayers for Lauren's uncle George, who uh, has been in the hospital as his ongoing illness and symptoms and whatnot have, have been. They are planning to bring him home again, uh, but thankfully this time his, his son is there uh, staying with my in-laws and he'll be helping care for his father. Um, and he's... He's very capable of it, and we're hoping that it goes well because the long-term plan is after he's been stabilized, they're going to fly him out to California where he lives, and he's going to care for him at home there. This may be the only way they would ever get George on an airplane because he hates airplanes. <laughs> So continued prayers for Eric and Janelle. Eric, um, who is the one who had the jaw can tongue and now jaw cancer, is had a very hard week, spent a lot of time in the hospital with fever spikes, but he is back home and praying that the procedures continue to go forward, but that he isn't quite so pained by them. And Janelle has did she had her surgery or she's having? She had it. It was a less evasive surgery, but prayers as, as her body heals from that. If you'll join this body together in prayer as we listen to this opening music. Bye. 
you'll join with me in the call to worship. Can you tell I'm not used to doing this again yet? God, we praise you. Those who are in need will be cared for. All corners of earth, remember the Lord. God rules over all things. Nothing can exist if not for the Lord. Not creation, not nations or populations. If you'll pray with me. Holy Creator, we thank you for this day, for the beauty of an earth refreshed by rain and warmed by the spring sun, for fresh grass, for flowers, for the smell of earth ready for things to be grown in. God, we pray that we are like those plants, refreshed in the things that fall from heaven to us. Lord, grow us, care for us, help us to bloom. As we gather here to pray, Lord, we think of our brothers and sisters those who are in need of your presence in our prayers. We raise up Janelle and Eric, Robin and George, and Sandy. We pray for those whose bodies are continuing to heal as they get better. We raise up Letha. We raise up Ryan. Lord, we thank you for all these things. We thank you for, we thank you for children, for friends, for family, for victories. We thank you for standing by and helping Jake as he continues to strive to do better at what he loves best. We thank you for all those wonderful things that make our lives happier and fuller. We praise you, God. We praise you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I've heard it said that a man would climb a mountain just to be with the one he loves. How many times has he broken that promise? It has never been done. I've never climbed the highest mountain, but I've walked the hill of Calvary. 
Just to be with you, I'd do anything. There's no price I would not pay, no. Just to be with you, I'd give anything. I would give my life away. I've heard it said that a man would swim in the ocean just to be with the one he loves. All those dreams on empty motion, it can never be done. I've never swam the deepest ocean, but I've walked upon the raging sea. Just to be with you, I'd do anything. There's no price I would not pay, no. Just to be with you, I'd give anything. I wouldn't give my life away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that you don't understand the fullness of my love, how I died upon the cross for your sins. And I know that you don't realize how much that I gave you, but I promise I would do it all again. Just to be with you, I've done everything. There's no price I did not pay, no. Just to be with you, I gave everything. Yes, I gave my life away. Yeah, 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 I gave my life away. Yeah, yeah, I gave my life away. Just to be with you, just to be with you, oh, just to be with you. Our reading today comes from the first letter of John, chapter 4, 7 through 21. I'm going to be reading from the message today. This is how Eugene Peterson put the words. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love continues from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't know love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God. 
but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away, clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has seen God ever. But if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us, and his love complete, becomes complete in us, a perfect love. This is how we know we're steadily living steadily and deeply in him. And he and us, he has given us from his life, from his very own spirit. Also, we've seen for ourselves and continue to state openly that the Father sent his Son as Savior to the world. Everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's Son participates continuously in an intimate relationship with God. And we know it so well. We've embraced it heart and soul, this love that comes from God. God is love. So know it so we know it so well. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us this way. Love has the run of the house and becomes at home and matures in us so that we are free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love bashes, banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, a fear of death, a fear of judgment is not yet fully formed in love. We, though, are going to love. Love and be loved. First we were loved, now we loved. He loved us first. If anyone boasts, I love God and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people, and you got to love both. Amen. Reading it out loud this time, I want to go in a different direction with my sermon, but I'm going to start where I was going and I'll go back to it, I think. <laughs> so, whenever I would go out on a hospice call by myself, when I got to the point where they sent me by myself, I would often have, I'd often get a list of people at one uh, care facility, you know, hit, you know, two or three people up, one, two, three there. And whenever they sent me to this one very large place, it had something like 2,000 plus residents at it. It was big. My mentor slash boss slash supervisor would say, make sure you stop by and say hi to Bill. Bill was always often not on my list because Bill got enough visits that he never was on the list to make sure you stopped by to say hi. 
because Bill just always wanted us to stop by and at least say hi, and he had formed a really special relationship with my supervisor, Mark, as they were both former Navy men. But he really liked it when I came by as well, because he saw me as one of his hometown boys, which is a little weird as I was roughly a third of his age, <laughs> actually a bit less than that even. Uh, but I, and I, I wasn't really from his hometown. I had lived for eight years in Hershey, which was near his hometown, but I didn't grow up there. But he really liked the fact that I knew the Hershey area, that I had worked at a church in Hummelstown, and so I knew Hummelstown, which is the little town next door. That's where he had grown up. Back in the, the 40s, the 50s, the early 60s, that was his stomping ground. And he loved to tell me the stories, especially his last few years of high school. He had worked as a milkman. It was the days of the Vietnam War, and so many of his old, well, both of his older brothers, one joined the Army, the other the Air Force. So many other young men had been drafted and were out fighting. There just wasn't enough people to fill all the jobs needed. And this is the Hershey, Pennsylvania. There's this large chocolate factory you've probably heard of, and this other one that did chocolate and peanut butter, you've probably heard of that too. Not to mention there's a huge quarry still at the time in, in Hummelstown itself. That's where, uh, if you ever hear of the New York City brownstones, the famous brownstone townhouses, all that stone came from Hummelstown. So it had a pretty good sized quarry, plus Harrisburg. And the whole reason that Hershey set his company up there, all the dairy farms. So he, they needed workers. And he got a job as a milkman, and he loved it. He could go out early in the morning, do all of his deliveries, and be done in time for him to go to school. He was a little too young. But it was the early 60s, and I guess they decided they were going to let him drive anyway. It was early one morning, about 5 AM, when he was just finishing dropping off milk at the Simmons Hotel. It's still there, right on Chocolate Ave. As he was walking back to his truck with the empty bottles in hand, a big black Cadillac pulled in behind him. Now this is odd for the main reason that Hershey at this point is still a pretty sleepy little town. I mean, yes, the park was already there and the factory and all that, but it wasn't like people came that early in the morning. Those who were working third shift at the chocolate factory were still at work and the first shift hadn't woken up yet. But in pulls this big black Cadillac. I think that's a little odd. And then out of it steps this extraordinarily tall black man. He approaches Bill and goes, hey, do you know where we can find some breakfast? Bill thinks for a second, well, the diner doesn't open until about six. So, I mean, you could go there and wait, but if you like, I have milk and yogurt and cheese, I can sell you some things. And Vegas like, oh yeah, that would be great. And he goes and he opens up and he talks to some guys inside and out steps three more gigantic black men. They walk over and Bill sells them some milk and yogurt and cheese. I'm sure there was chocolate milk 
because every story that Bill ever told me, chocolate milk made an appearance. I think mainly because he had met his, when he met his wife, he sold her chocolate milk. And so it just was this thing that always appeared in his stories after that. But anyway, and they sat there talking. You know, oh, why, are you, why are you in Hershey this time? It's so early. And they're like, oh, we, we just drove in from Philly. We're playing a game this afternoon against the New York Knicks. We're with the Philadelphia Warriors. Oh, okay. Do you know how to get to the arena? And they're like, we, we kind of know. And he, he directed them. And they thanked him. And, and as a way of thanking him, they all signed their names on a napkin for him. Now, he really wishes he remembered what happened to that napkin. <laughs> because if you know your NBA history and you hear the words uh, Philadelphia Warriors versus New York Knicks in Hershey in the 1960s, one other name might jump out at you. Wilt Chamberlain. The magnificent basketball player, Wilt Chamberlain, in 1962, while a game against the New York Knicks in Hershey, was the first man to ever score 100 points in a single game. He also single-handedly energized the NBA and turned it from a sport that most people didn't pay attention to to becoming, well, eventually the juggernaut we now know of, as, of it as today. Yeah, if only he knew where that napkin with Wilt Chamberlain's name was. <laughs> On that day of all days. You know, I always took his stories with a grain of salt. I'm not 100% sure it's true. But I like to think it is. Now, if you were curious as to why it was this one day that Wilt did so well, there's two things you ought to know. First, Chamberlain was on fire that day. He was a magnificent player anyway. But that day, he was on the top of his game. And number two, Wilt Chamberlain was a terrible foul shot thrower or free shot thrower. You know, when you stand at that line about 10 feet and you get the shoot without anyone blocking you, he couldn't hit the basket with those shots. I think Shaquille O'Neal is the same way. Just can't make a good free throw shot. But that day, someone had convinced him to do something different. If you've ever watched basketball, almost everyone does the jump shot. You know, you got usually your less dominant hand up for direction and your dominant hand behind you jump and you shoot. That's as much as you're going to get out of me for that. <laughs> the thing is, if you think about it in terms of a physics way, all of the power and pretty much all of the direction are coming from one hand. So if you're just a little bit off, don't have enough power, have too much power, it's all on that one hand, there is a better shot for a free throw. It's called the underhand shot, or more better known as the granny shot, where you go like this. So you all laugh at that. I don't know if you're laughing at it because it's me, or you're laughing at it because it's the sillier looking of the two shots. <laughs> Someone convinced Wilt to go ahead and do granny shots that day. And you know what? His previous abysmal record for making foul shots was broken completely. He did awesome. 
He made most of them. In fact, he broke the record that day for most foul shots made. And that propelled him from his previous high score of 79 in a game to over 100. But do you know what happened at the next game? He did jump shots. He did jump shots after that at every game. As far as we know, he never went back to making granny shots. He was too embarrassed by them to ever go back. He continued making the much, quote unquote, cooler looking jump shots. Why are we like that? Why are we so programmed to run away from things that, you know, they might make our lives great, but we're embarrassed to do them in front of others? Like taking your kid at the park and playing with them and, you know, I'm chasing you or playing like a monster going, ah, and then all of a sudden another dad comes and you go from ah to ah. <laughs> you know, the child was having a lot more fun with the first than the second. And there's honestly no reason that I as a parent or any parent should really be embarrassed by it. And yet we are and we've made the game less fun. It's one of the reasons I'm so amazed that the church makes it. Because if you really think about it, the way of Christ compared to the way that the world expected people to act, especially if we consider the fact that most of these leaders were men and the way that men were supposed to be, the way of Christ is kind of embarrassing. After all, if you were a good Roman person, you, you were going to go fight and lead the legions and be a great soldier and a defender of the Roman way and conquer. But Christ said, no. It's about being meek. Be a peacemaker. You know, the good, the good man goes out and he... He makes great business decisions and he has lots of money that he donates to lots of things and everyone sees him as he builds statues to himself. It's not what Christ called the, the rich man to be. He called him instead to give his way fully over the Christ to let go of earthly material to follow the spiritual way. But surely it's important to stand out there and be known as a good God-fearing man. To stand at the corner by the temple and go, Dear God, thank you for making me me and not them. Jesus taught us to pray. God, Daddy, thank you for forgiving me. Because I know I'm not always great. And please help me to be as forgiving as you. I rely on you for my daily sustenance, for my soul and my body. May your way be done. Christ's call to the people is countercultural. 
it doesn't place strength in terms of strength of arm or wealth or power, but strength of soul, strength of heart, strength of hand. It can be embarrassing. I know I wasn't always very good as a kid in school, turning the other cheek, if not for only for anger, but because of the embarrassment of looking weak when you get hit by another kid. Something you have to work on. Now, I will say, that for the most part, you don't really hear anything from the disciples for the first part. After all, after Jesus ascends, there's a chapter where the only thing they really do is replace Judas. They don't do anything else. Perhaps they were embarrassed. Probably they were more scared. I mean, to be fair, they were the followers of a person who was crucified. But they got the Holy Spirit that came in and pushed them to go forward. But I also have to think it has a little bit of doing something with embarrassment of being afraid of how others look and perceive you. I mean, after all, it's easy to be countercultural when you're following somebody who is being countercultural. I mean, it's easy to follow a leader who says, you know what, this is the way we're going to do things. But once that leader is gone and it's all on you, that's a lot harder to do. Because after all, you're the one who's now making the decisions to be against the grain. But that's where God comes back in. Holy Spirit comes back in and empowers the people to do something beyond what they had expected they could do and to rise above embarrassment and to go out and preach. Preach for joy, to preach for love. For love that they are loved and loved because they love those around them, even if that feeling isn't mutual. You know, the word that we use is evangelize, which comes from a Greek word which comes out to translate very roughly. It's three Greek words mushed together. Um, good announce messenger. The evangelize, the angelize at the end is actually the same word for angel. Good announce messenger. Announce good messages or be a good announcer <laughs> and that's what they did they went out and announced the good news they preached it on the corners and they worked it in there every day like yes we see paul or peter go out and he he preaches somewhere and he gets two thousand people following him which i have to say if i had his oratory skills that would be awesome On the other hand, probably wouldn't be COVID safe. <laughs> but he would go out and do that. But then you would also get these other parts where it talks about how the community lives together. 
how they care for one another. And you know what? That's right after that, you get the line that God added to them day after day after day. It's through their living and their preaching that they end up bringing together the community. One can't exist without the other. I know that's my struggle. Because there are times I'm embarrassed. I don't know why. But sometimes I struggle with talking about my faith with others. That seems weird as a pastor to stand up here and talk to you all week after week about faith. I realize that. But there are a few people who are in this church who have pushed me to remind me that when I'm trying to do things to help others, that it's not just simply about helping others because I want to help, but loving them to such a point that I want to let them know why I'm helping because I am loved by God and they are loved by God and they ought to know that. You can't just have good works. You have to have good works and to tell them why. On the other hand, it's not enough to just tell people why. You have to tell people why and show it in your actions. Because when the two come together, the church grows. And we grow as individuals. Sometimes it's an embarrassing thing, though. I mean, we are happy to come here and to serve one another by washing feet in the basement. Not this last year, but you know what I mean. It's a little harder to go wash the man's feet who sits out on uh, right by Acme or what used to be family video until it closed recently off of what is that? 73, 47, whatever it is. He hasn't been there lately. It's a little more embarrassing to get out and wash his feet. But that's what Christ calls us to. It's not just faith when it's convenient. It's not just evangelizing when it's convenient. It's evangelizing all the time. In every single one of our actions and in every single one of our words. I like to thank one brother here who knows probably that I'm talking about him. But he keeps reminding this in our conversations <laughs> about making sure that I pray with people and that I tell them about my joy in God. So, love. We don't evangelize because we want numbers. We don't evangelize because we want attention. We evangelize because we love. We love each other, we love God, and we love those that we encounter every day. After all, that's how we know that we are loved, because we love. I say love a lot of ways this way. I could literally sit up here and say love 16 different ways, and it would all still make sense, because it's that overwhelming. 
so love without embarrassment. You know what? The granny shot does look a little funny, but that's only because almost everyone does the jump shot. Make the granny shot normal. Make the slightly embarrassing the basic expectation of action. Because you know what? The granny shot's superior to the jump shot. It just is. So don't be embarrassed. Throw that ball with love. Make a few baskets. If Bill passed away, that's one of the things that happens in hospice. He passed away about two months after I left at that position because my term had ended. And my supervisor friend let me know that he had asked after me a few times. Bill spent a long time as a judge. He almost never talked about it with me. He almost never talked about it with Mark. He would talk to me about his childhood. He would talk to Mark about his time in the Navy. But he had a hard time talking about his judgeship. It wasn't that he was a bad judge. He was just a judge. He was just a person carrying out the letter of the law. I know I've told this story, and some of you have heard this before, but that's how he also ended up visioning God, someone who carries out the letter of the law perfectly, weighing every mistake he had ever made. I know Mark had said that they had often sat there and talked about that. It's easy to forget in this world that doesn't always hold up love as being as powerful as it is, that God is love and God is grace and there is always room for love where there is judgment. I like to think in his final weeks that Bill finally got that that he finally understood, it's okay. Yeah, he did wrong things, but grace and love abound in God. And you tried your best to love others, just as God loves you. And don't worry, there's a place for you by God's side still. I like to think Bill's there. I can't say for sure, because I won't know until I get there myself, which I hope I do. <laughs> but rely on the fact that you are loved. Rely on the fact that you are capable of love. Rely on the fact that love, like corn scattered in the field, or seeds of any kind scattered out, when given freely, grows and grows and grows. So talk about your love. Talk about how you are loved and how you love. Evangelize.
good announce me, uh, good announce messengers. Amen. Reminder for all those who wish to stay that we are having some music following worship today. Now, when you eventually go out, we can stay for music. And to those who are ready to go now, walk in love, you are loved. Preach in love, sing in love. Let others know they aren't walking alone that you love them and they are loved by God. Preach. Amen.